Welcome to the Echo Cast. I am Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast talking about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms and in almost every genre. This week, we'll be talking about the initiative concerns, Mass Effect hiring, Starfield updates, Tunic released, and more. Please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast as well as share it on social media share it with your friends share it with your grandma if your platform allows it please review this is for you itunes and spotify people if you're on youtube please leave a comment if you have any thoughts on the show a question for me to discuss next week or if you just want help out with the algorithm and hit that thumbs up Last, if you use Discord, please join our Discord channel. The link is down in the description. We can chat about games, the podcast, sports, and anything else you fancy. Well, let's jump into the gaming news. The initiative developers are leaving. (laughs) So uh, this was a pretty big story. So it sounds like basically around 34 developers have left. Uh, the initiative since late 2021. Uh, this was around the same time that they announced that Crystal Dynamics would be helping out with development of the new Perfect Dark game. If you don't know who the initiative is, they are a um, one of the relatively few studios Microsoft has started from scratch uh, in, in the more modern co- uh, console days. Uh, another one being 343, of course. And at one point, there was kind of a joke about this uh, being a quadruple A studio that was going to put out quadruple A games. And we know right now they're working on a Perfect Dark reboot of some type. We've only seen one kind of teaser cinematic trailer. Um, And what's interesting is that with the story that's kind of come out... uh, they, they, they've lost like half of their staff. It's a relatively small staff, um, around 60 to 70 devs currently on the project. Um, and we'll talk about that. But um, I, I guess it's interesting because on one side, there was all of this talk about this being a quadruple A dev. Like they're going to make the biggest, best games ever. But apparently when they were recruiting for this uh, studio, it, there was actually the impression given that like, we're going to make a bunch of really, really high quality, like double A games. Um, we're, we're going to take like double A concepts and make them triple A. And, uh, there was this idea that like, yeah, there was like a studio head and, you know, lead developers and, and directors and stuff, but that it was going to be like a level playing field. It was going to be a democratic system where basically everyone got to work on what they wanted to the way they wanted to. It was like a group way of making this game. And apparently that's not what's happened at all. It's just a normal studio where there's a studio head uh, who tells the people below them what to do, who tell the people below them what to do. And that's it's there's no allegations that it's like a toxic environment or that there's anything wrong. It's just not what people expected. And a lot of the people that they got into this studio 
are like legendary across the entire gaming universe um and, and a lot of the people who have left uh are included in that description and so what has happened since uh that is um you know they they announced that they're they're getting help from crystal dynamics uh, that's not that surprising because the the head of the initiative used to be at crystal dynamics uh, so it shouldn't be that surprising that there may be some collaboration there and then so it, it, there were some allegations about it not being a great work environment that the development is happening extremely slow that's part of this annoyance with the way that they um, have structured like the power structure um, is that it just there's a lot of bureaucracy and it just seems like people are kind of frustrated uh, now there's a lot of factors and this is something I've talked about but I can be very explicit about it uh, here um, they're they're in pre-production pretty obviously um, pre-production teams typically aren't very big they can be 30 40 50 people um, so a lot of times you have, you know, there's a team of people working on the narrative. There's a team of people working on like game mechanics and style, um, and, and various other things. Right. And so the, for the people who have left, it's not that big of a deal because they're still left with a team about the size that you would expect, um, even for a triple a game, uh, to be doing pre-production. And what seems apparent to me is that I wouldn't be surprised if this move to having Crystal Dynamics help is um, it, it's the the initiative is doing the pre-production, the, con, the, the doing concepts, and, um, do, doing that kind of stuff. And then they're going to bring in Crystal Dynamics as their meat. Uh, Crystal Dynamics will will bring in their environmental uh, builders, the people who make, you know, the models and do the animations and lip sync and, and do all that where they're, they're going to bring in the, the, the help basically to, to, to do all the big meaty stuff, uh, probably led still by people at the initiative. Um, that's not uncommon, um, at, at this scale maybe, or at this notability, it might be more, um, unique, but like right now, if you're a fan of the division, the division two right now is being led by a pretty small team at massive Ubisoft massive, um, who are directing at least one other studio in Ubisoft Bucharest, um, and potentially a studio over in China as well to do the meat. So you've got Yannick and a few other people who are doing all of the planning, all, you know, doing all of the the concepting stuff like that and then they they are saying to these these studios these support studios okay now here's what we want you to do do this and then they do it they they look at it make sure it's what they want and that's how it goes it's um it's delegation and and, and that's especially in modern gaming not that surprising and especially in this situation with the initiative they probably aren't going to make the initiative a 250 person studio i i, I suspect that's not the goal um, because right now it's probably not realistic. And that leads into my second point is that, um, that they, it, it's a competitive market right now. So one, it's hard to hire. Um, it, it's hard to get people into studios right now. I, I'm aware of multiple studios who are just running short. They're offering great pay packages. They're offering everything. They're offering online work and they can't get people because it's just, it, there's, there's just not enough devs to go around and um and it's a competitive market so 
uh, this, you know, at least a good chunk of these people leaving the initiative would have left even if everything was perfect. Because right now, and I know I've talked about this, but bear with me. You know, you see all of these acquisitions happening with Microsoft and Sony and um, probably EA and Take-Two and, and all these places. Um, and, and that's the big shiny story, right? Is, oh, there's so much money. All, all these publishers are so flush with cash. They're buying studios, right? Which they are. Or other publishers. What isn't talked about as much is that that flush with cash also impacts the hiring with these games. Um so there's, you know, if you're an experienced dev who has shipped high quality games, there's a pretty good chance that no matter where you work, there's someone else willing to pay you more right now. It's just the, it's, it's the nature of the beast right now. And um, so uh, obviously this is quite a bit of attrition that the initiative has taken on, but I would say half of it, if not more, is what every single studio in the world is dealing with right now. Um, you know. I bring up obviously an example of I'm, I'm working on a video right now talking about the hiring that Bioware is doing obviously for the next Mass Effect and also for Dragon Age 4. They're in a power position right now with Mass Effect especially because it doesn't quite have the drama and, and the issues that um, Dragon Age would, will have with new people. But they, um, they're probably, you know, they're hiring like six or seven director spots right now. And they're probably paying a premium for that. And they're probably going to snag some really well-known, some very competent people into those jobs. But here's what's also going to happen. They're probably going to lose some really well-known and popular and well-respected devs over the next three or four years while they develop that game, especially in the next 12 months. Because... It's in demand right now, man. If, if you have experience, if you've shipped games and you're competent, you're in demand right now in the gaming world. And and that's not a bad thing. It's just, um, you know, it, this is happening at every studio in the world right now. Some studios are more public about what's going on. Some aren't. Um, even the story about the initiative wasn't necessarily the initiative talking about this, uh, but it was some journalists looking kind of sleuthing around LinkedIn and, um, you know, realizing like, oh, wow, all these initiative devs aren't at the initiative anymore. They're at these other studios. I mean, this happened, you know, if you're a division fan, you may not even know that Terry Spear left the Red Storm back in like December. He's been with another studio for multiple months now um he didn't make a big deal out of it he's i don't think he's hiding it or anything i think he's just doing this thing but um you know it's this 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 whole switching up you know it's this shuffling that's happening in game devs right now uh, is is probably not over and it's probably gonna be happening for a while and i think that's a pretty good chunk of what's going on uh, at the initiative um so I, I just I, I'm not panicking like some people are. This game is almost certainly still in early pre-production. Um, if they were losing a big chunk of their team in like the last nine months of development, that'd be pretty terrifying. Uh, I can't imagine this game is slated to release for two or three years at least, um, if not more. So, um, you know, in two in two years, if they're still having these issues, then yeah, let's start to panic. Let's freak out. But for right now, I. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So there you go. 
Uh, next story is uh, the Starfield uh, developer video. So uh, they put out a, I think it was like a five minute video. I did do a video over on uh, YouTube about it. If you want to check that out, uh, where I kind of ran through the trailer and talked about uh, things they show or things I know about what's going on. Um, it's uh, YouTube, just search for Bond Diesel. <clears throat> and um, it, there wasn't anything like super stunning. We did get like eight seconds of what looked like gameplay or at least something in engine of uh, one of the, the, the robot companions you can have. Um, I, I've seen some panic about like, oh my gosh, they're, they're not showing stuff because there's something wrong with this game. I would probably chill with that. I, I, I don't, this is kind of Bethesda's thing. They, they don't, um, show stuff until the last minute. Now, sometimes, you know, with fallout four and 76, that's maybe there's a reason they, they did that. I will argue that I think fallout four was a great game and, um, it, it maybe didn't advance the fallout, um, brand as much as it could have or should have, but it's great. It's a good game. It's just not amazing. Like it should have been, but parts of it definitely are. Um, <clears throat> you know, that, that game, I, I think they showed that and it came out like three months later, you know? And, and so I'm not super worried about it. To me, it seems pretty obvious. We're going to get a, a, a huge Starfield dump this summer, probably, uh, you know, a couple months before it comes out in November and, you know, I'll reserve judgment until then. I have reserved the right to be hyper excited for this. Um, I, you know, understand it's Bethesda uh every time Todd Howard talks I get enamored and highly suspicious um but I I, I think it's okay you know it's been a long couple years man and I, I definitely went through a phase of like you can't trust any dev you shouldn't get excited for anything until you get your hands on it you know you have to be a good consumer and all and I still believe those things but you know after a long couple years after a bunch of disappointing games, I'm just going to let myself be excited. And if you want to, then you should too. It, it you know, if, if it come, if Starfield comes out and it's a, it's a big old bummer, then that sucks. We'll move on to the next game. Right. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm allowing myself to just be excited because I, I think that games are supposed to be fun. I think this hobby is supposed to be a positive thing. I think too many people let gaming become an antagonistic thing or something nasty, something it shouldn't be. And, and I think that sucks. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Starfield. I think the new division content is going to be great. I think the next mass effect is going to be masterful. I bet that halo is gonna get it together you know um and yeah and starfield i mean i'm just so excited they they did do some really interesting uh they, they talked a bit about they were very vague which is kind of frustrating but it sounds like there was a real emphasis on taking their like dialogue structure and the way that impacts the story uh to like the next level um to try to uh, you know the, the fallout games have always had this you know very deep system of conversation and you know, you make a decision with one person and one thing, and that will greatly affect the way something happens, uh, you know, across the world over there with that person. Uh, and so it's, they were really talking it up. Like that's going to be an even bigger factor 
um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously we're, we're all playing skeptical, which I think is fine. Um, there was one kind of funny moment where one of the developers was saying like, yeah, you can work with the space pirates, but you can still kind of be friends with like the corporation. Uh, and if you want, you can like really go in with the space pirates or you can like play space cop and report, uh, to the, to the corporation about what the, the pirates are doing, but you can still work with the pirates. And what he was trying to say is that you're going to have all these opportunities to basically like play both sides of the coin, but there's probably a risk that you might get caught. Um, but what well, some people took it as like, Oh, so you're going to be a narc like God, man. Like I, I I'm, I'm a proponent. Uh, I, I really do dislike the whole thing of like leave politics out of games and stuff. I, I think that, you know, m most video games are trying to say something, um, and, and I think whether it's on social issues or political issues or whatever, um, you know, and, and so I think it's okay. Uh, I think that's fine. And, and I think it's fun to talk about and, 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 and be interested in this particular example had a bunch of, you know, the, the, the typical people, um, being real snarky and being real cute about it. And like, Oh, I'm never going to be a narc snitches get stitches and stuff. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, well, one, the people saying this are like the most like generic human beings on earth. Like, you know, well, let's maybe calm it down a little bit, but, um, I just, I, I, I think, you know, what, what the developer said was, was very much taken out of context and, and, and kind of, um, used in a way that I think kind of sucked and, um, and that's fine you know, whatever it, it's, it's, it didn't hurt anyone, but, uh, it was just a, a, a little blip on the radar of being of like a big eye roll. And then we move on, but I don't know, man, I think Starfield's going to be awesome. Um, obviously I've talked a lot about how I hope it kind of, uh, fulfills my, my mass effect, uh, hunger for two, for at least a year or two. Uh, so I can, you know, not be, as obsessed with that game and playing it six times in one calendar year. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, if it's fallout in space with a bunch of advancements and their formula, thumbs up. Perfect. I'm in something else. I'll give a thumbs up. And then I'm into is tunic. So tunic has an interesting story. I, I believe it's been getting demoed and shown, uh, for like seven years at this point. And I believe it was last year they put out a demo uh, on on Xbox uh, and probably PC. I don't know for sure. And it's essentially this like little like Dark Souls Zelda kind of mix smash. It's an interesting thing. I find it highly. I found it highly challenging. Um, some I'm sure some super gamers you know are great at it, but um, it, it, it's cute. But it's uh, it has a really cool exploration element. Um, you find signposts and uh, a little manual that looks like an old gaming manual that you find pages for. Uh, but the unique spin on it is that it um, it's mostly in a language that's a game language. You can't understand it, and you'll never decipher it. Now, supposedly, it is an actual written language, so I'm sure some dorks are eventually going to translate it. But the way it works out is basically you're supposed to use some of the like sketches uh, on the notebook and some like visual cues and stuff like that to kind of figure out what the notebook is telling you. It's really cool. 
Um, and then it's just like kind of like an old school Zelda game on top of that. Um, it's it's so good. If you have an Xbox or if you have Game Pass, uh, you there's you should at least give this game an hour. Uh, maybe it won't. Maybe you won't vibe. You'll bounce off of it. It is hard. I've found it to be very challenging. Um, I, I'm not very good at like melee type games and, and stuff. So so maybe that's just me. But um, the, the tunic is so it's such a blast. Um, it's open critic and Metacritic scores are both 85, uh, which I. Honestly, I think it deserves more. I think if a game like Elden Ring gets a perfect 10 out of 10 from a lot of people, I really think that that this game should be higher than it is because um, it's not perfect. Obviously, no game is. Um, but it's just that like like neither is Elden Ring. But even though I know it's like kind of like being broadcast as this like generational game at this point, I don't know. I just tunic's super good and so if you have an opportunity to play it um or to just buy it uh, i don't think I don't, I don't think it's full price and so if it's 20 or 30 bucks it's absolutely worth it if you have game pass you should be playing it right now um and at least trying it out so i don't even know if i'm gonna finish it i just I, i'll at least play it until i get too frustrated so yeah tunic highly recommended speaking of elden ring um we found out last week that it sold 12 million copies um i i may have already spoke about this a little bit or at least in the mpd numbers last week i mentioned it but 12 million pretty wild it's the um for my division fans it's the fastest selling new ip which there's some discussion about that it's the fastest selling new ip since division one which is pretty one impressive for elden ring obviously two pretty impressive for the division i saw so many comments in the last couple days of like was the division that popular it's like yes mfers it was great <laughs> y'all just missed out because it was busted when it released admittedly um now third what i think is worth throwing out there is that um is it really a new ip i mean it's dark souls in an open world like i understand that technically the story is new even though there's a bunch of elements carried over from the other games like characters and stuff so i i kind of have to roll my eyes a little bit at whether or not it's really a new ip and, and that's been a big discussion going on right now and whether or not um it's really a new ip um at the end of the day i i think that discussion kind of doesn't really matter that much but uh you know maybe for some some game awards or other stuff it's gonna be more of a conversation as time goes on i don't know but Hey, props to Elden Ring. Not my type of game at all, but I bet I've watched like 40 hours of gameplay from streamers. So, you know, I feel like I've experienced it in my own way. Uh, the second to last story, these last two stories, I, I pretty much have to get my Mass Effect and Division talk in. So uh, first is Mass Effect. Um, there's a few things going on with them. Uh, I'm working on a video where I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that um, some of their hiring, what's going on with that. Uh, some stuff I discovered in their hiring listings that I think is interesting. Um, if you're newer to my channel, this was a big thing I used to do with the division, um, especially division two before they announced it. And even after to try to get some kind of insight onto what they were working on and, um, and division three before it pretty much got confirmed to me that that's not happening, at least not for a while. So with mass effect, they're currently hiring eight positions at Bioware. 
Um, most of them are director positions. So these are the like, like Mike Gamble, like the, the head of the game. It's the people directly beneath him for the most part, all these positions. Um, from what I can gather, they must already have people. Uh, the, there's an art director that isn't listed. Um, but there's another job that says you will work with and report to them. So that person must already be in place, I'm assuming. Um, and from what I can tell on Twitter, there's, they have a bigger team on this than I think people realize. Um, I'm aware of at least one year, 25 people. Um, and so what I'm curious about is, uh, I don't know how it works in gaming, uh, and, and, and laws and stuff like that. I used to work in uh, state government and would those jobs have to be listed publicly? Say you need a new supervisor for a team. Um, you have to list that job publicly for everyone, even if there's someone that you're going to promote, or at least that's the goal. Um, you, uh, just for fairness and, and to try to prevent people from, you know, like helping each other out too much and stuff like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work, but they at least try. Right. So I don't know if they have to list these jobs. Some of these jobs, um, I have a list of them here. I mean, you're talking about like narrative director, level design director, gameplay director, uh, which is like the equivalent of what like Frederick Dylander was on the division two and one, um, environmental director and technical director. I mean, these are like, you know, just like pretty premium spots in game development. And I, I have a really hard time believing they only at least have someone in mind for most of these jobs. Um, some of them were posted as, as long ago as like last November. Some of them were posted and uh, one was posted in February and probably two thirds of them were posted at the end of January. So there's a pretty good chance they're already hiring here and starting to get people in. I don't really want to make any big predictions on when, um, when the game is coming and stuff like that. I, I still think it's safe to say that they aren't going to start production until Dragon Age 4 comes out, which is probably in 2023 at the end of the year. Um, but I, I think it's pretty common to have a team, like I said about the initiative of like 25, 30 people doing a lot of pre-production work. And I think that they're, they might be significantly bigger than that. So I don't want to make any big predictions and try to be like, Oh, maybe they're starting production now. I they, I highly doubt they are, but I bet they're bigger and I bet they're further along than people think. Um, there was also uh, some interesting stuff. I think, um, from Mike Gamble, um, he's been pushing those job openings pretty hard. Um, even just yesterday he, uh, was posting or maybe it was today. I, you know, time is a concept, right? Um, he was talking about, he posted like, this is the stuff we talked about today, uh, you know, at, at Bioware while working on the, on Mass Effect. And he said like, what they're talking about, what a daycare would look like on the Death Star, um, where the face of some creature is. So it must be some concept art or something they were all t taking a look at as well as, as well as some other stuff. And. Um, the, the more Mike tweets, the, the more I think is going on, which is cool. That means that stuff's happening. Um, it, it seems, it seems just with these, with these people in these positions, if they're dead silent, that means that there's probably some stuff happening. Um, but I feel like the more that they're talking, the more that things are progressing, this is complete speculation, but 
that's what I like to think. And then the last bit about Mass Effect is there was a, uh, in these job listings, one of the replies was from Jennifer Hale, who was the, um, the female voice of Shepard in the trilogy. And um, her saying like, I wanna be a part of this, which is funny because she and Mark Mir, uh, the, the male Shepard voice, um, have been pretty adamant. I've gone back and listened to a lot of podcasts that they've all done together with a bunch of the crew and devs as well where they've like specifically like they get asked specifically as recently as a few months ago like hey do you guys are you guys interested in being back in the franchise and they're both like yes now part of it is that their characters as shepherd are so iconic right and for them it's you know probably the biggest character either one of them ever did even though hale's done some pretty big stuff um and then there's also like the money part. Like, yeah, they want to be in on this. They, they want to get paid. And so while I suspect that we may see Shepard in the game, even if it's in like a prologue or something, um, even if Shepard isn't involved in this next game, I can pretty much guarantee that we'll uh, get some voices from them. Uh, it's worth noting, if you don't know, that Mark Mir voiced a bunch, I want to say most, of the aliens um in mass effect like all three games uh, because that's what he was actually originally hired to do they originally brought him in to do um to make up voices and in, in to give a in, in the first game to give a baseline of what all of the different aliens would sound like so like the vorcha and the elcor and all of the especially the like weird aliens obviously like the asari just sound like humans um even the quarians have kind of like a eastern european kind of accent but they basically just sound like humans um and for whatever reason i feel like all the all the um the turians sound like they're from like new jersey <laughs> but that's just me um so you know that's exciting uh I, mark Mir, i think liked that tweet or something as well he there's some interaction with him as well um so you know we've we've got dreams i've got dreams you know uh but and we'll have to wait and see but exciting stuff there's something there's stuff happening it's just not going to be very exciting for probably quite a while and then the last story here uh, i'll talk about is the division two had its three-year anniversary this week um you know <clears throat> the division two is such an interesting subject um my very baseline point of view is i think the division two is as a game that you grab a controller and play or a mouse and keyboard um it's a it's incredible it's a great game uh i think it's better than the first one and it should be you know it's a it's an iteration obviously you can nitpick and get down to some details and talk about modes um you know dlc things like that um one thing i always think is interesting is how often people will be like yeah but there's like no survival which i i'm very um vocal about you know talking about how i think survival was a great mode for division one um that has been overhyped and way overrated um i think that there's some like nostalgia goggles like strapped on the people's heads with within the division community and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that if you still love survival that is so cool and if you jump on and you play it all the time that's that's great like that's genuinely awesome I think sometimes people take those good experiences though and let it paint their their overall opinions a little too much and like like yeah survival was great but like you know 
the the division two had so much more depth and mechanic like there's so much more there's so many mechanical things and stuff that they really did improve on the engine snowdrop jumped so far ahead um like division one couldn't do curved ground surfaces you know like they they every time i see people be like they shouldn't have even they should have just made division two on you know the same as division one or just made it like an expansion it's like i don't expect the average person to understand all of the things that they added for division two that were quality of life things that were quality things in general graphical things like that um but if you know it's just there's a reason that they moved on it's not because they wanted to it's because they had to and um and, and as much as i appreciate the nostalgia for division one and it is an incredible game um i i think people are a little bit weird sometimes about their uh the, the, the things that they wish would have happened. Um, I, I especially uh, feel bummed about Division 2 because I think there's a lot of people who never gave it a real chance. I think as soon as some people saw that there wasn't snow anymore, as I, I think there were a lot of really kind of like aesthetic or just kind of, in my personal opinion, kind of small or kind of lame things that turns uh, a decent number of people off before division two even came out where there's a lot of people in the community who never even gave it the chance. Um, and I think that's a bummer because that game is masterful. It's very good. Um, people forget that the division two to this day had the best release of any looter shooter ever. You can throw out borderlands. I don't think that's in the same category. It's a different thing to me. And I don't know but the division two had the, one of the best releases of any looter ever. Cause they're notoriously terrible when they come out, it wasn't perfect. It definitely had issues, but it was, it was really good. And for the most part, you could turn it on and play like 30, 40 hours, beat the story, get maxed out. And then they put out content. Honestly, the content kind of sucks. You know, all of the DLC that came out for that game besides warlords was pretty meh. Um, you know, Kinley College is, in my opinion, kind of almost a meme at this point and how awful it was. And especially I've heard some I've heard some rumors about what Kinley was supposed to be. And it's a real bummer <laughs> that that didn't happen. Um, and then the Pentagon was just kind of OK, like two cool missions. But that was obviously supposed to be more than it is as well. And then we got Coney Island, which ended up basically just being a prologue to warlords to the DLC and the DLC was great. Um, I, I really, again, I don't, I still think that DLC was meant to be division one DLC from a timeline perspective. It makes way more sense. Um, but it was cool. My, my biggest regret with Warlords is that I did a 10 hour stream and beat the entire Warlord story in one day and I haven't gone back and beat it again. Um, I really should have spread it out because those last couple hours I was pretty burnt <laughs> and and I and I went back and I kept playing the division for a, for a little bit after Warlords. But to be totally honest, um, I kind of checked out of division before Warlords. I played it for a couple weeks after and I came to a weird realization the other day that it's basically been two years since I've consistently played the division um, because the first year had those DLCs I talked about, which were lackluster, right? And they completely gave up on PVP, you know, red storm bounced off of division two within a few months of release. And that meant that conflict 
and um and the dz's basically have just floundered ever since even though there's still a bunch of psychopaths who have convinced themselves it's good and they keep playing it so all the power to you you freaking psychopaths um i and then you know year two uh i they had you know the seasonal events in the manhunt and i played them which meant i played like an hour or two a week and then they re-ran them and and we won't even get into the fourth manhunt that ended with one of the biggest letdowns from a story perspective, gameplay perspective. There was there was such a buildup, even with these kind of mediocre manhunts and seasonal things. There was still a buildup of like, oh, this might end kind of cool and kind of clue us into what's happening. And instead, what happened is it pooped right in front of us. It just squatted, made eye contact. And just squirted one out right onto the floor. And and I think the community has been kind of reeling from that ever since. And that sucks because um, this, this IP just deserves so much more than it gets. Um, I've kind of poked and prodded a bit to find out what's going on and what happened. And, um, you know, there, I really hope that there's like a big documentary about the division one day because... Uh, it would just make Ubisoft corporate look just so freaking stupid <laughs> and petty and awful. Like people don't realize, like I've seen so much impatience and so many, so much like toxicity and vitriol about the delay of the, this new content that's coming. And people don't realize that in 2020, when Warlords of New York released, Warlords was done. The majority of the seasonal content and manhunts were finished. They did them all in that window, in that development window. And they moved like most of the team to, at the time, the unannounced Star Wars project. Um, you know, that Warlords release and then the seasonal content after it, the four seasons, was supposed to be it. And then what happened, from what I'm aware of, is that in early 2021, there was basically literally a last minute meeting where it was basically a decision of is the division two done or are we going to make more content? And in that last minute meeting, they decided to make more content. I, I'm under the impression that Warlord sold extremely well and had really good um, interaction, like gameplay wise. Um, the, the numbers I was told was something along the lines of um, like division one, 1. 1.8, the big patch that was kind of like the last big patch um had had a great resurgence a lot of people came back and played it and warlords had way more so and warlords was a paid dlc uh 1.8 was free so keep that in mind and so it did so well that at the last minute in early 2021 ubisoft was like well we want more content for division 2 make some more content but here's the problem there was no one to make it and uh, because they moved everyone to Star Wars, they, they already had a big team working on Avatar. And then they had moved basically the entire Division 2 team to Star Wars. And so now you have a handful of people, Yannick and a few other people now, like I mentioned before, working with a support studio to make this new content. Well, that the support studio had never worked on Snowdrop. <laughs> like they, they were asking them to make new content and whatever they're doing. Um, and so that, that took time. I don't even think they finalized the team until like late summer of 2021. And then the, the, the original release was supposed to be in like December. You know, you can't make the things that they're supposedly making in two or three months. 
you know, it's going to take six months, nine months even. And that's what we're dealing with now. Then because they said December and then I think was it February. And now we don't know when it's coming out. They haven't even said, which is fine because as much as people want to moan and groan, we shouldn't be getting this content. This content was not supposed to happen. So I think people should just be happy that we're getting anything. And, um, and to continue the division's legacy of, of in some way, um, the division is just, it's one of those franchises that it just has deserved a lot more. Um, and I don't think we're getting a third entry for, I think we will get one. I think it's made too much money for Ubisoft to completely ignore, but it, it's, I think it's going to be a long time. And I think if we ever see a division three, it's going to be, like a reboot. I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a division three isn't a looter shooter. Um, I, I don't think people realize that division one wasn't supposed to be a looter shooter. At least this is what I'm aware of is that it was supposed to be more of a mass effect style game, which in hindsight is so frustrating. Um, but Ubisoft being Ubisoft saw the success of destiny and what destiny was doing. And they wanted, they wanted their destiny. And so they tried to do it and they failed miserably because, and, and what's frustrating is that the division could have been destiny. The difference is that Bungie puts everything into destiny. I know they're doing other stuff now, but for the most part, even today, they are a destiny publisher and developer and massive was never allowed to be a division developer that um, I've seen and heard huge plans they had for both games one and two that would have made the division on the level of destiny i have no doubt i think the, the division could have easily been ubisoft's biggest game if not behind siege because of its you know its uh entanglements but it's you know there, there's a grudge or there's there's a weird there's some weird vibes with Ubisoft and massive man. And I really hope that Paul felt leaving maybe relieves some of that. Um, there's been some rumors and, and even some stuff in his own book that leads you to believe that Ubisoft was never a big fan of him um, for whatever reason. And I really hope that maybe now that he's gone and they've kind of put their own guy in there, maybe now they'll get some of the, the support and, be, you know that they deserve and to be allowed to make the games that they want to make because um, I think that this Avatar game and I think that the Star Wars game are going to blow people's minds I think they're going to be extremely good because I don't think people realize how insanely good of a developer Massive is because of the way that Ubisoft held them back on Division 1 and 2 so there's my rant about that we'll move on uh, we're going to head into listener questions. If you have any questions, make sure to jump into my discord and ask there, ask over on Twitter, or if you're on YouTube, you can ask down in the questions below. If you're on the podcast, if you're listening that way in the description, you can actually leave me audio questions and then I can put them into the show. So try that out. There's a link down there. The first questions come from master prime on discord. Should developers put all of the time they want, even if it will take uh, more time to finish the game? Yeah, um, in the Discord, uh, <laughs> Honey Badger, who is in there as well, responded, uh, they are a developer for a extremely large studio that you all know about. And they, and they responded to Master Prime saying the games would never come out. And, and, that's, and that's true. 
um, you know, games are art and like any art, the artist, if given unlimited time and resources would never finish because there's always something to polish. There's always something to tweak. There's always something to make better. And yeah, I mean, that's why you see, you know, there are some studios who put seven, eight years into a game and when they come out, they're very good, but they are not perfect because it's almost impossible. And so I think developers should and would love to, but I think publishers have to step in at some point and say, you know, if this game is, this game is only going to make us $150 million dollars. If, it, if we if we spend three hundred million dollars making this game, which is a budget for games now, like don't you think for a second that some of these giant AAA games don't cost as much, if not more, than movies? Um, especially because they take much longer to make. Um, you know the publishers, I, I get both sides of it. You know, like the developers want to fine tune the craft and make the game they want to make. On the other hand, the, the publishers aren't a charity. They, they do need to make money so that that studio can make more games and like pay their mortgages and stuff. Um, and so I, I think there should be more patience. I think that you're seeing at least somewhat of a trend in, um, in the industry of allowing more patience. Now, is it just because of COVID? That's probably a pretty big part of it. Will that stick? I sure hope so, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that they, I think they should take more time. I'm sure they would love to, it's just not realistic, unfortunately. So hopefully they get more time, but hopefully games still come out at a clip where they're profitable and they can keep making them. Your second question actually rolls into the next question as well. So, um, master prime said, should games stop being announced? years before they start development and then pizza morgue had a more extensive question that was similar with stuff like cyberpunk or the division uh, content or the oh my god perfect dark and trouble and countless other examples should new rules be enforced that mean people can't announce games uh, years before they even have concept art. So I don't think any games get announced before concept art. We almost always see concept art um, that doesn't really uh, dispute the question but um, when, when these games get announced like way super early, they, they, they are typically at least in like concept stages, uh, prototyping things like that. But yeah, I mean, you look at an example like cyberpunk, like that game got announced, I think in 2013 and then we're under the impression they didn't actually start development until 2016, like production. And then it came out in 19 or early 20. God, time is such a blur right now i can't remember anything um division content things i don't think division content like i kind of just talked about why division content is late it's you know, partially covid and partially because it wasn't ever meant to exist but in general like do i think there should be rules enforced no <laughs> no I, I don't think there should be like fcc rules or anything i um i i, I think that um you know, like in my own example of like Mass Effect, like this next game probably isn't coming out for thir three or four years. I'm already hyped about it. I'm making videos about it like every other week. Um, and I'm taking like the smallest details. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that there should be rules, but I do, I do think that especially publishers should be more responsible with when they announce and how they announce. I've seen multiple people talk about how a game like Crackdown 2, 
for Xbox. They announced it, and then the developer kind of had to fill in the gaps. Uh, if we think about games like Anthem, they feel like they were kind of like that too. We hear stories about how with Anthem, whether or not your player could fly was still disputed in the last like few months of development. And that's like one of the core parts of that game. It's one of the few things about that game. That's great. <laughs> and so, you know, it it's games are weird, man. I, I made the tweet this week about like no game should have ever been released, especially modern games. It's they're too complicated. They're too big. There's just there are too many people working on them like these games shouldn't ever come out. And when they do at all, it's a miracle. And when they come out good, it's like a super miracle. And, and I'm not excusing the games that take too long to develop or that come out broken. But like, I, I just I think it's like a kind of like a bridge too far to like, especially right now. I, I, I think that in a couple years, hopefully, when COVID's gone and things like that, or it's managed, however we, we want to think about it. Um, I, I really do think COVID turned a lot of two to three year development cycles into three to four to five year cycles. Um, and, and I do hope that as things kind of calm back down, whatever that means, that we get more into a cycle of, you know, a game is announced, it's in pre-production. And then within you know, you know, six months to a year, they start production. And then within two years or so, the game's out. Um, I, I think that will be a thing again. And it will make some of this not feel as bad. Um, it will be less common, but I don't know, man. I think, I think hype is just the way the, 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 the industry is right now. And, and I don't see that changing and I don't see any rules changing it either. The final question here is from Manmade on Discord. Um, what will be uh, or could the NFT uh, NFTs impacts uh, beyond gaming? Um, I don't know at this point. I, I think the problem with NFTs, and, and I've said this before, like I'm sure that there's some really smart people um, who could sit down and, and 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 write down and say this is how NFTs could legitimately be good for gaming and for consumers and for publishers and developers. I, I genuinely have no doubt that there is some track that could be shown to the average person where they'd be like, oh, sure, yeah, that does make sense. The problem is, is that I can't even imagine imagining that track right now because instead what has happened is that the NFT whole, the whole thing has just been kind of like hijacked by a bunch of people just trying to make money quick and a bunch of celebrities throwing their NFTs out. Uh, and, and it's, there's this meme about like, Oh, I can just copy and paste your picture that you paid a thousand dollars for. And, 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 and the issue is that, that that's one way for NFTs to work. Uh, one thing that can be done with them. And it's like the main thing that's being done with them. Right. Um, I'm sure some really smart person can give me an example of the way NFTs legitimately could be great. But my guess is that th that would not be profitable or able to be exploited by enough people. And if there are things that NFTs could be good, I bet we'll never see them because I can almost guarantee they aren't worth the time for most people and instead they're going to do a bunch of this get rich quick stuff and churn stuff and turn it around and 
by the time it's all over, everyone will be so sick of this whole concept that if there were good things that could happen, we won't ever know. So I don't think that answers your question really well. I appreciate the, the question. Um, but my, my thing, so my main thought is that I'm sure theoretically there's things that NFTs could do to impact gaming in a positive way. I, I bet they're not profitable. And I, so I don't think we'll ever see them. And that's my honest thought. Uh, some content updates and other stuff here at the end. Um, I do have a couple new Mass Effect and Starfield videos. Uh, my main uh, video I just put out is a top 10 hopes for the next Mass Effect. It's the longest script, the most editing I've ever done in a video. It's still pretty mediocre. I'm, I'm going to be straight up, um, but I'm really proud of it. And I would appreciate if you would check it out. I also did a Starfield update video uh, concerning this, this developer talk that we saw this week. Uh, and then I am working on a, a couple of videos for Mass Effect talking about when I think it's going to come out, what I think some of their hiring means, um, a bunch of stuff that's all kind of connected. And we'll, um, we'll chat about that in a fairly long form. And, um, I mean, the last thing here is Tom Brady unretired and the goats back baby. So suck it. <laughs> He's back. Hi, <laughs> your kids. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this thing up. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitch. Please check out my, the echo cast and bond diesel merch at the links below and check out my Twitter at bond diesel or at the echo cast that's all i have so until next time